America. You are listening to the Glock and Doc Audio Encounter, featuring Tim Glockner and Dale King. Hey, Dale. Hey, Tim. We're going live with a Glock and Doc audio encounter where wisdom and knowledge are shared freely. We are the fastest growing podcast in Southern Ohio. That was legit. I don't know how long it took you to come up with that, but I'm impressed. I do my best. So, I think it's obvious to say that at your gym, buying back the block has become a theme. Yeah, absolutely. I just wonder why Rick Ross has been such an inspiration. Well, we all have mentors in life. <laughs> and who better than Rick Ross to provide the guidance and daily knowledge to, uh, to guide you along your path. Um, but it's, it's, more, it's actually one of the only rap songs I've actually listened to the lyrics that are somewhat positive. Um, and essentially, it just explains the theory of buying back the block and if you want to make a difference in your town or wherever you're at you got to start small and then it's just like monopoly one property becomes two properties becomes three properties and before you know it you've got the you, block you buy back the block so how is portsmouth your town have you taken ownership it's i think the main thing is i was able to be away and come back you got to appreciate it while you're away. Absolutely, and I, and I think I think a lot of it, a lot of people are born and raised here, when, and that's a very fortunate thing. Although they may not may not appear that way when, when you're when you're 13 and trying to buy beer at the Spuds Live Bait, um, but if you're actually, you're able to go away and get some outside experience, and then for me it was uh, my military experience and being able to. Uh, not only outside of the state, but outside of the country, in, pre, in third world countries, um, and to appreciate where you come from. Right. And bringing that back, it was, um, I felt as if, like, this is my town, and I want to do something to, to make it a little better. That's awesome, man. Yeah, when you, uh, when you travel <clears throat> and uh, broaden your mind a little bit, uh, I, I just remember my grandparents being a huge influence in my life. We traveled once a year with Chevrolet, and every time we went out of town, it didn't matter if it was New Orleans or San Francisco or wherever we were, my grandmother would always say, this is the second most beautiful city in the country, which begs the question, what's the first? Right. And she would smile real big and say, Portsmouth is my favorite city. And they were such a big influence on me, and I knew that Portsmouth, their hometown, they were proud of it. And if it was important to them, it was important to me. So why do you think it was so important to them and your family? Well, we've, we've got a, a legacy business. You know, we've been here for 170 years. And, uh, and once you invest that much time and effort into something, it's, it just becomes a sense of pride, I think. So. Right. What I think, too, is it, as, you know, obviously you and I own our own, own businesses, and 
when you really establish roots somewhere, mm-hmm. whether it's small town or big city, the business that you're getting comes from your neighbor. It comes from people in the county. And that means that that like that's a face with that purchase. And <clears throat> everything everything you're trying to do is to build that relationship with the customer because without them, you don't you don't exist. Your kids don't eat. Right. Uh, you don't have you don't have the things that that um, that you're accustomed to. So I think a lot of it is as business owners. I think they have we have a much more appreciation for um, for where we come from because of that. Yeah, I totally agree. Or in a in a small town, a small town business, you're way more invested because you see your your customer at Kroger's or at Walmart or wherever. And uh, it becomes more personal. So taking ownership, uh, that's really important. So for those of you who may not know, basically Tim Glockner is like the head of the Scioto County version of the Stark family. If, uh, if for all you games, Game of Thrones fans out there. Um, so if you could, like... The cool thing about having got to know you over the last couple months is I've gotten to really like have a history lesson over your family and the business. Um, so just just give me like the the the, the, the nickel, nickel tour. Yeah. The nickel tour um, started back in the mid 1800s with a hardware store on Market Street right here in Portsmouth, and um, uh, first generation Bernard Glockner comes over from Germany. Uh, probably worked for a hardware store, had a hardware business in, in Germany, I'm guessing. But uh, came over here, uh, started a business, and then ended up getting into uh, horse-drawn buggies. A uh, guy by the name of William Durant came. He was a buggy salesman. Came by in the 1890s sometime and, and offered him a line of horse-drawn buggies. And then came back in 1912 with uh as ceo of general motors offered him the chevrolet franchise so we've been selling chevys for 105 years this year and it's just amazing how uh, our families lasted through the uh industrial revolution and world wars and floods and somehow uh, god's had his hand on us and we've we've lasted a long time now now we hear talks of autonomous cars and fuel cells Car, powered by hydrogen. Um, it, who knows what's going to be next? Well, it's it's here already with Tesla, obviously. But uh, and we've diversified over the years with heavy trucks and trailers, and and an oil company and commercial insurance, uh, and and we've acquired some more auto dealerships recently. But yeah, it's just uh, we've we've come from a long line of entrepreneurs and and survivors. So that's that's been that. The dealership is the longest-running dealership, continuously-running dealership. Yeah, it was probably one of the first Chevy dealerships or one of the first auto dealerships in the country. Maybe not the first, but definitely the longest-running. And that's right here in Portsmouth. That's right here. It's pretty legit, dude. Yeah. Uh, and that's been from basically passed from generation to generation. No gap. No gap. I'm the, I'm the sixth oldest son. I do have uh, two younger brothers uh, that are partners with me now, and there've been siblings all through. But they, 
but uh, I'm the sixth oldest son to take uh, the presidency of, of our enterprise. So of all that knowledge from literally over a decade, if you had to choose one thing that your dad taught you about business, only one, and that you're going to teach your daughter, what would it be? I would say my my dad is he's a sharp business person, but he taught us more about life lessons. And uh, we've our our culture is based in service to others and stewardship. I think that's the biggest lesson my dad ever taught me was everything that has been passed down over generations is on loan to us, and our greatest asset is our reputation, and that that we owe it to the previous generations to protect that and then to pass that on to the next generation. So I'd say that's, that's, I'm a big vision and culture guy. Yeah. And you've got to, you've got to have visions, you know, where you're going, but culture gets you there. Right. Culture like dictates behavior and, uh, and our culture is one of uh, service to others and, and stewardship. I'd say that would be what I'd pass on this morning. Very cool, man. No, I mean, that's a, if, if you're thinking about, you know, a big thing is a lot of people, and it's just natural, you're concerned about yourself. Like, we're all driven by our self-interest. And that's, you know, there's no denying that. However, you could be so much more successful if you're doing things for your team, if you're doing things for your family, instead of just like, I'm going to open up a business to make, I want to be I have a hundred thousand dollars a year, you know, so I can make it rain all the time. Right. Well, <clears throat> that may only last a year or two years, but if you're talking about literally decades and decades, you've got to wake up every day on a mission to provide so everybody eats well in your team. Because you can take a lot, like you can only do so much for yourself. But if you're doing it for others, especially for the for the positive benefit of others, you're going to be way more driven. You're going to be way more, way more successful. So it's very cool to hear that legacy businesses like that are built upon that, that well, foundation. I think you're wise beyond your years, buddy. Because you, you figured that out a lot, a lot sooner than most people. And I, I've watched you and how you've got a cool story, too. And you, you will allow other people to be a part of it. Yeah. And I think that's that's really what's catapulted you to. Um, you've got a bunch of smart people around you, and that's what it takes. It's yeah, all about absolutely. people. It, it's um, in a lot of the from very early age, as I, w- I was a military intelligence officer, and I was fortunate enough to be assigned to a uh, special forces group. So leaving the officer course as a 22-year-old, brand-new second lieutenant going to going to 10th group in this case that had not been done as a support guy had not been done since the vietnam era so sf guys are professional soldiers so the, my first deployment that i went on like these guys were on their fifth sixth rotation um they're now old guys like me and they're it was in their mid-30s and i was a young 22 year old so here i am like uh Ah, uh, uh, what uh, what am I? And you just gotta, and you just gotta listen, listen and learn. And so, the biggest, but you know, an SF team is about twelve guys, and they all have different functions. 
you know, you have leadership of a team, and then you have an engineer, you have a medic, uh, you have a weapons guy, you have an intel guy. Um, they all perform different functions, but they're performing different functions for the team. And that was one of the, you know, there's so many lessons I learned from that, from that time, but... Um, so you brought what you learned in the military yeah, back yeah, and, home, and, obviously. Right. And I have zero business schooling experience or education prior to opening up. I use the term opening up my business very, very loosely. <laughs> but I think to me, the greatest <clears throat> school is, uh, is learning that, taking that knowledge from, from that specific experience uh, because being successful is being successful, whether it's in business, life, military, the lessons, the lessons are there. You know, I think, I mean, what you learn in the military with discipline and, and organization and those things go a lot further than what you would learn in business school. I, I'm certain I learned more the first six months on the job than I did four years in business college. You know, so that's... Yeah, and experience is... Self-taught knowledge is the best form of knowledge, in my opinion, and experience is the greatest teacher um, of those two. Do you, I'm curious, do you recommend the path that you took for other people? Is it, is it probably not for everyone? It's, I mean... I have one of my only regrets in life is that I didn't serve. My, my grandfather was a, a decorated World War II naval pilot, and his, his dad, my great-grandfather serve my dad didn't he he missed the draft barely and i think my grandfather is thankful for that mm-hmm. that was uh th- those were some tough times but i wonder if you would recommend i was um i don't want to use the term brainwashed because i wasn't but my dad served in vietnam my uncle like i come from a very long line but my dad never once never once said you know this is what you want to do like it was all like so it was self-motivated but because as a five six seven eight year old going through scrapbooks seeing my dad's old uniforms and the duffel bags and um watching chuck norris movies and rambo <laughs> on repeat for five years straight probably uh didn't didn't hurt um but it, it was something that i wanted to do and now I look at it as just having twins that are six weeks old. I look at it like one of the hardest things I had to do was when I came home on leave prior to my deployment, saying goodbye to my mom and my dad for the first, like not for the first time, but going like, okay, I'm getting Ooh, in a car into the airport and I'm going, I'm going to Iraq. It was way more difficult for my dad, mm-hmm. I think, then. Well, you know, it's going to be tough on your mom, no matter no doubt. what. Um, so I have that experience in my mind, and now, like, I'm fast-forwarding 18 years in the future. If my son or daughter wants to do that, I just need to know that it's their decision. I don't, you know, I don't want them to feel influenced or whatever, like being pushed down that door. But, yeah, I, w- I highly recommend it. But you have to know, like I can tell guys now, like, if you're signing up, you don't sign up to pay for your college. You sign up to serve, and you sign up because you're going to go downrange. If you if you have any hesitation about that, then don't do it. But like it needs to be like I do. That's what I want to do. F- from high school, pretty much. Um, 
but I I highly recommend it, but it's not for everyone. Yeah. And there shouldn't be, you know, a lot of guys in the veteran community have this whole civilian versus veteran attitude. Well, that's mm-hmm. just bullshit. Because like, mm-hmm. guess what? I'm a civilian now. Like, we can't have this, like, us versus them mentality, and some guys can kind of kind of come off that way. But it's all you serve, you do your thing, whether that's four years, whether that's 20 years. But one of the greatest things I ever heard was um, from Chris Kyle's brother and family is that your real service starts the day you get out. Fair enough. Um, and I could go on forever, but, you know, you talked about your grandfather being in World War II. I, I heard Tom Brokaw speak on a book tour once on The Greatest Generation. Mm-hmm. And I tell people this all the time. It's like they were the greatest generation not because they fought the Nazis, or because that's everybody. I mean, everybody at home was working in the steel mill. Uh, moms were working in the factories. Like it was a unified mission to go fight evil. Um, they were the greatest generation for when they came back. And that sergeant or that lieutenant became a principal. Mm-hmm. He opened up, he or she opened up a business. Um, became a lawyer. They came back, and I think it's such a unique period in history that they had a common bond of service, and they and they saw evil firsthand, mm-hmm. and they had an appreciation. <clears throat> I I can totally buy that. Yeah, I mean, my grandfather came back, and and I mean, if you look at his list of accomplishments, it's it's just unbelievable. And those um, dudes were so humble. Like you, you, like, uh, you wouldn't, it's such a generational gap between, um, veterans today and those guys back then, but man, those were some, those were some pipeline dudes, man. Like, um, and usually I would cuss, but I'm looking at legitimately we are, a crucifix we right are <laughs> literally at the foot of the cross right now. Um, but those dudes were so humble they never said anything and they just went on, um, to, to literally to, to do the best they can for their country after they got out. So you said you knew from an early age what you wanted to do, and uh, and I had a similar experience. I I knew that uh, my grandfather, who's a larger-than-life kind of guy to me, and my dad was in the business, and uh, evidently I, I announced when I was 12 years old I was going to take over the family business, you know. Sixth, sixth grader knew what I was going to do with the rest you of my were lying life. Back to block but, <laughs> from an early age, but yeah, it's just a I think just a sense of pride. And uh, my dad did his best to not make us feel obligated, but right, you, I couldn't help it. it you know, you were literally it, born born into it. Yeah, no, I, every time my dad would say, "Don't don't worry about this. It's not you don't have to bear the burden." My grandfather's kind of looking at me like, don't let me down, right. you know. So, but uh, it's all worked out. And, and So do you, do you feel like that's that's who you are? I don't. I've, I've been asked this question a handful of times, and I don't know what else I would do. Um, I really, I, I enjoy it. I'm not a good car guy. Uh, Mike and Joe are probably better car guys than I am, but I love building teams that work without me and um, helping people accomplish their goal. And if they get what they want, I get what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
it affords us the opportunity to do a, a lot of good works in the, in the community too. I I've really enjoyed it. It's yeah. been 18 years already. I can't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. So. So you don't feel, you don't feel as if it's. I mean, it, regardless if if it's your inclination to do it, it's going to be a burden. I, because because you're carrying 120 years, 100 what, however many years. Right. Right. You know, with you. But besides that burden, do you feel mm-hmm. as if like if there was anything else you could be doing or would be doing? A, would it be different? And it B, what would it be? Well, I, I sincerely think the wires got crossed somewhere along the lines that I was supposed to have been born on an island in the British Virgin Islands. <laughs> I, I don't know, and I could have been really hometown proud of my little, Your little island community. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. been a boat captain and and island hopped and That's day drank and. That's legit, dude. Yeah. If you had an island. Yeah, maybe we can still do this, you know? Right. We can do this in our retirement. Absolutely. But if I'm going to have my island and you're going to have an island, you better build up your navy. (laughs) Because. (laughs) You're coming after me. It might be two months, two years, but I'm just letting you know right now. You better have your defenses built up because I will get bored (laughs) on my island and I'm just going to be thinking about conquering your island. I so, no I, I'm all for peace, but manifest destiny <laughs> will come, and I'm letting you know I'm going to hoist my black flag and let the blood rain. I always thought you were insane, and now I know you were insane. Anyways, before uh, we steer down that tangent... Um, so where, are we, where are we at with time? 647 seconds. I'm not doing that math. So before, as we wrap this up or whatever we're going to do, I think it's important to let everybody know why we're doing this. Um, I think, A, I value, I value Tim's friendship above all. Uh, and secondly, I value your guidance your help you know it's it's always nice like to be able to bounce questions off of you seek advice seek counsel um i mean i get i get hit up a lot too from you know just people asking business questions business advice stuff like that marketing ideas yeah so what we wanted to do was provide a platform to um after this episode to you know answer any questions people have you can email them to us or text us whatever and um, basically, it was a platform that we wanted to do to give advice for people, A, in Portsmouth, but business advice is business advice regardless of, of where you're at. But I think you and I have a very, um, we have such a feeling and a passion for our hometown. And the only, in my opinion, the best way if you want to make something better is through enterprise, hands down. Like, it's time we stop waiting for the big factory to come back to Portsmouth. Right. That's going to solve everybody's problems. And I think it's time that you and I or whoever starts teaching people to become their own factories. It's going to, it's going to take a lot of small businesses employing one or two or 10 people. And, and these, yeah, these fat, these pipe dreams of a, a factory coming down and, and employing 5,000 people. So that's a long shot. Right. Um, 
but yeah, I just, I, I feel the same way. Um, I just want to give guidance and uh, share some mistakes I've made over my 18 year career, uh, maybe save some people some trouble I went through um, and motivate listeners to uh, chase their dream and uh, not to let anyone put you in, the, in a box and life is too short and uh, find something you love to do and do it. Do it well. If you do it well enough, you'll make a bunch of money if that's your, if that's your goal. And uh, yeah, just provide some worthwhile content and have some fun. That's awesome. And, and I think it's going to be a good, you know, yin yang kind of thing. Because as we're as I'm hearing him give his answers, he's reading his notes that he's already like transcribed <laughs> seven days prior in advance, and I've got nothing. <laughs> I'm just I'm just straight. straight you gotta be a boy it. scout. Be prepared. But uh, I think between between Tim and I, we hope you guys find it find it a value. Uh, we're super fired up about it. Um, and then of course, just like anything else, you guys need to let us know what you want, what you need, the advice. Um, any questions you guys have, that's what we're here for. Um, and we just want to be able to, to have a, have a cool little thing, do some good and, and have a little fun. And what you can do is for anything, just hit us up on Facebook. Um, we, we'll get our own Facebook page and website down the road. Uh, but until then, to, to, until then hit up Tim and I on Facebook and, uh, we'll hook it up guys. We'd be remiss if we didn't thank our uh, sponsor, Spuds yes. Life Bait. Spuds Life Bait. May he rest in peace. Like Spud always says, it's not how far you cash your bait, it's how you wiggle your worm. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the first ever Glock and Doc podcast produced by none other than the Even when I'm a thousand miles away from my roots, I'm home. Only gives you stronger roots